Hey, if you missed any of our films from the Music Box series on HBO, you can get all of them on HBO Max. They're all streaming, including the latest one, Juice World Into the Abyss. Check it out, HBO Max. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? At first half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about. 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where I put up a new rewatchables on Wednesday. Amanda Dobbins and I did Father of the Bride, 30th anniversary, a movie that my perspective has changed on as I ended up having a daughter. So yeah, we talk about that. We talk about why this movie is aged so beautifully and why it is still the ultimate wedding movie. So there you go. Check it out. The rewatchables. We might have one next week too. I thought we were going to take next week off. Now I'm not sure. There's been, there's been rumors of Chris Ryan and I doing Limitless. Just rumors. Just, it's been percolating. I know uh, Woj mentioned something in the tweet. Sham Sarania, I know he alluded to it in one of his tweets, but I we're not officially reporting it, but there's rumors. There, the Limitless is definitely, the, our scouts are there scouting Limitless. So stay tuned next week. Who knows? Speaking of staying tuned, on FanDuel Sportsbook, we've been crushing it. We did a same-game parlay for Celts Cavs on Wednesday. It was, I think, Tatum over rebounds, Brown for at least three threes, Celtics to win. It hit. We've been hitting. We cost FanDuel $1.7 million last week with Underdog Parlay. We're going to try to cost them more money this week. Sorry, FanDuel. This is what we do. Peter Schrager and I are going to do million-dollar picks a little bit later, trying to get the jump on uh, on Thursday's Titans game, Titans-Niners, because that's the only game where we actually know everybody who's playing. So we want to put some money on that. That's coming later in the podcast. First, John Jastrzemski from our New York, New York podcast and Sean Fennessy who you know very well from this podcast, from the rewatchables, from the big picture. We're going to talk about the state of New York basketball. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this. It is uh, Thursday morning Pacific time. John Jastrzemski is here from the New York, New York podcast. Sean Fennessy is here from the Big Picture podcast. But diehard Knicks fan who's just dismayed. Usually, Fennessy, usually you're happy. There's screeners, holiday movies, Oscar season. 
getting the best directors, putting out the best stuff. And yeah, you're just traumatized. The Knicks have somehow gone backwards uh, and and you're bummed out. Funny how uh, I always get the call when things are not looking good for the Knicks to come on the BS podcast. I've noticed <laughs> or anything here for that matter, by the way, I feel like never positive sports news with Sean fantasy on the BS. Uh, pod. Never. It's tough. It is true. He's like the Grim Reaper. That, but you did come last year when the Knicks were looking frisky and good. We did have you on there to talk about how how good things were looking. I, as I recall, the last time I was on was when they got their clocks cleaned by Trey Young at MSG. So uh, maybe uh, that's fair. You yeah, know. that's fair. Fair enough. Um, look, New York between the Knicks going backwards and the Nets kind of in this amorphous. Are we a real contender? Or are we not? Now the Kyrie thing. JJ, I got to ask you, like, do people care about the Nets in New York? I asked you that last year. I'm going to ask you it again because the Knicks have been boring to watch and the Nets have been really interesting for a variety of reasons. But Rich Kleiman, KD's agent, had a tweet after Curry lit up MSG and it was Curry, Curry, Curry. Meanwhile, Durant was in this incredible stretch and he's like, wow, why is Curry, basically all due respect to Curry, but why is he getting all this attention? KD's right down the street crushing it and everybody was like because he picked the fucking nets uh <laughs> give us your take yeah it's obvious when you play for that franchise you are the little brother and it's not even little brother where it's jets giants and it's yankees mets where there is a vocal loud fan base that is out there that is present that you see that you hear from yeah think about it curry lights up MSG breaks the record. What was it? A Tuesday night, like a week ago, two weeks ago. It doesn't matter that the rank goes for 50. We all know he's the best player in the world. We all know he's a stud. But the idea of New York City caring day in and day out about what the Brooklyn Nets are doing is just simply not the case. If you are a Net fan, you care. But the idea that it is like pulling in the rest of New York and that they are captivated by the Nets is nonsense. Well, what's interesting is DeAndre Jordan seems like he's page, patient zero for a lot of the problems here, right? Because he goes to the next when, Knicks when KD's a free agent or about to be a free agent, plays there for a couple months. And I, a lot of people have mentioned this, reported it, whatever. But the feeling is that he told them, he told KD and Kyrie and Rich Kleiman, like, it's kind of a shit show over here. I, I don't think you should. And then all of a sudden they're going to the Nets. Now you think like, all right, it's more professionally run now that they have Leon Rose and his Colt crew. But yeah, Sean, the incompetency still remains. They had a lot of cap space last year. And if you really go through how they spent it and who they made their bets on and then how much flexibility they have right now, it's kind of a disaster. The only good thing is they have some good young players that I think the fans like. But think back to last summer, right? like how it turned out versus what you were hoping for, like a one out of 10? It's not ideal. I'm not as down on it as I think some people are because they're basically two-year deals, all of those deals. The Fournier deal, the Nerlens Noel deal, even D. Rose, who has been basically the heart and soul of the team for the last six months, who yeah. just got hurt. He's basically on a two-year deal. They all were originally reported as three-year deals, and they all have team options. So it's not an outright fiasco, but the challenging thing is they have basically six young guys under the age of 24 who I'm either somewhat interested in or deeply emotionally connected to. And Tibbs is not known for playing young guys. And so we've got a lot of people in protocols. We've got a couple of injuries now on the team. I want to see Deuce McBride. I want to see Quentin Grimes. I want to see Obi Toppin play one game for more than 30 minutes. He's never done that in his career. RJ has to obviously take another step. 
if those guys actually improve, I'm not really going to be too bummed out about the Fournier deal long term. The thing is, what moves should they have made? That's like the question that we have to ask ourselves. I feel like they really wanted Fred Van Vliet and he was never going to leave Toronto. So you take Van Vliet off the board. Like, who, what What should the Knicks have done this offseason? I wanted ball. That was the guy I was beating the drum for. I wanted ball. So I said that, I think, in March or April. I know he went for crazy money. Fournier's a stiff. He, he's impossible to watch because if he does not hit, and listen, Simmons, you know this, if he doesn't hit threes, what good does he provide? He's an awful defender. He, he just looks like a fish out of water half the time. And I'm with you, Fantasy. Play the kids. I want to see the youngsters on this team playing a ton over the next few weeks. But with Rose going down for two months, this unwillingness to play Kemba Walker, which is just super weird. I mean, very, very bizarre when you think about it. When these guys get out of protocols, yeah, you should be playing a ton of your young players. I don't think the Kemba thing is super weird because I watched him for two years in Boston. I thought he was washed when you signed him. I mean, he... He got crushed last year in any head-to-head matchup against a good point guard. He can't guard anybody. He doesn't have lift. He can't get to the rim. And I think the Knicks fans found that out pretty quickly. I, JJ, I'm with you on Lonzo because I wanted the Celtics to get him too. And, I, and who knows if the Bulls had some secret deal with him, you know, at all-star break of last year because it seemed like that went really fast where he was all of a sudden there. But I think one of the ironies of this Knicks season, you look at that, basically the Lonzo-DeRozan combo in Chicago, how successful it's been. That's kind of the alternate universe for the Knicks. Yeah. They easily could have ended it. All they had, DeRozan was basically, who's the highest bidder? And Chicago was the only one offering anything like mid-20s and up. Knicks could Knicks had that money. And then uh, Lonzo was another one. They would have had to maybe, maybe they have to give up some of the picks that they had. Maybe, maybe even quickly needs to be in that. But there had to have been an alternate universe where that happens. Sean's nodding, sadly. Well, the the problem with the Kemba thing to me ultimately is they already had two guys who filled the exact role that Kemba could fill. They had two undersized guards who can who are score first. They have quickly and they have Derrick Rose. So he was basically duplicative. I still think I still think Kemba can be a useful player in a second unit on an NBA team. The idea of him being cast as the starting point guard on the New York Knicks, which is something we wanted for 10 years in New York. It just was two years too late. He we just we got him at the wrong time. See, I didn't time. look at it that way though, Fantasy, when they brought him in because I figured with Rose you'd kind of have that split action. And what surprised me with the Walker thing is, look, Bill's right. He can't move on defense. He's clearly not the player he once was. But you even saw it Saturday night against the Celtics. He can give you instant offense at times for 10 to 15 to 20 minutes if you use him properly. So this idea that he just was banished and was completely taken out of the rotation, that to me is what surprised me more than anything else because it was that was strange. Not the idea that he's not the player he once was, the idea that he's not playing at all. Tibbs has been talking about this, and whenever he's asked about it, he's like, I see Kemba as a starter, and that's all he says. He doesn't explain why he has not turned him into some sort of super sub. It's a really weird obfuscation of whatever's going on there because... I, I agree, JJ. He's like a good 15 minutes a night guy. He's points off the bench. But if they had a big, rangy, Lonzo-esque guy starting, Kemba would be an interesting change of pace off the bench. But unfortunately, they already have two guys who are just like Kemba. You know what's funny about Kemba? I was thinking about this because I went to uh, the Celtics-Sixers game the other night, and Cantor had to play a ton of minutes, right? And Cantor is one of these or guys. Or Freedom, that, whatever his name or, is. I'm sorry, days. Freedom. I think it's Freedom. My bad. I texted yeah. you about that. I go, when yeah. did that happen? Yeah, a couple weeks ago. My bad, Ennis. Uh, but he had to play a ton of minutes because all the other centers were out. 
he's somebody that would get DMPs from sometimes. But when you watch him and he and you're relying on him for 40 minutes, he's not bad. Like he's weirdly reliable and he's been in spots. But then like last night, the Cavs were playing the Celtics and they had to play Taco Fall. Same reason. And it's like, yeah, he's not terrible. They're like these oddity guys. Isaiah Thomas is like this on the Lakers that if you're really depleted and you're relying on them, they might actually do well. And I think Kemba fits that category. It's like whatever your giant uh, detriment is as a player, when COVID wipes out seven guys in the roster, all of a sudden it's like, all right, let's let's give this guy a whirl. And yeah. I think, you know, they, they, sadly, Deion Waiters, I think, has missed his calling. JJ, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And it's a big elephant and it's an expensive elephant. In fact, I'm going to tell you how expensive it is. It is 21.7 for this year, 26.1 next year, 26.2, 30.3 in the 2024-25 season, and 32.4 player option 25-26 for a guy named Julius Randle, who was one of the best 15 players in the league last year, who now no longer makes threes and has crashed back to what he looked like in New Orleans, which is a 19-10 and 10 guy, not a very good outside shooter, kind of a ball stopper, and I guess the question is, did teams figure him out or was last year an aberration? Because it's one or the other. I don't think he's as good as he was last year. You know what I mean? Like it's last year was like the peak to me of what Julius Randle is going to be as an NBA player. And listen, the Knicks are kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place because you want to make your franchise appealing. So when you have a guy who's top 15 and, you know, he's on all NBA teams and he's the most improved player, ba 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 ba. You can make the argument it looks bad if you don't reward a guy like that. But then when you look at some of those contractual numbers over the next couple of years, that is that is scary, scary stuff. And I don't think we're getting a better <clears throat> version of Julius Randle. I, I, maybe he's going to be a little bit better, Bill, than what he was in New Orleans. But the guy we saw last year, I'm sorry, we're not getting that over the next five years. And that's a problem for the next. That's a big, big problem. Well, they also made the key mistake, Sean. They extended him and it seemed like a fair price. You know, it wasn't like a $40 million a year or anything crazy like that, but it was an extension coming off a catastrophic playoff series. And, you know, sometimes the playoffs can change the course of somebody's career. Teams can figure out. I remember this happened to Antoine Walker, he who was an all-star, was one of the best 20 guys in the league. And Kmart, in the Nets playoff series, they had two years in a row. And after the second time they played them in 03, Kmart just kind of ruined his career. Like he, he was never the same. He destroyed him and he really exposed him as like, you can't post up and you're not a really good uh, three-point shooter either. And you're not a good free throw shooter. What are you? And Antoine kind of went in a tailspin from that point on. I wonder with what happened with Randall and the Hawks last year, if he's just at a different spot now where something got exposed. What do you think, Sean? It's possible. I, I think obviously the game plan for him in that playoff series was really, really good. And the Hawks were really long. And so they were able to contain him throughout. And he took a lot of bad shots and you could see his frustration in that series. I don't, I don't think we should underestimate like how much he basically changed the Knicks. It felt by himself in one season. I mean, yeah. barring one mellow season, the Knicks have been kind of a disaster for a decade. And he gave everybody hope, excitement. You know, it, we, we had a genuine, you know, a genuine all-star, a genuine leader, a, a genuine transformational story 
not just for the team, but for him himself, you know, like I was all in. I, I believed it was legit. I, everything I watched, it seemed like, all right, this guy, for whatever reason, he figured it out. He's still a good passer this year, which is last year was the first time you would ever realize that he could be more of a playmaker. I think the challenge that they have is they don't have a pure point guard on the team. And so a lot of the playmaking falls to him. The person I would like to see do more playmaking is RJ, but the offense is still running through Randall a lot. I would be fascinated to know what kind of a player he is with more of a, a court general, you know, with more of like a, a Chris Paul type who is essentially like running an offense because right. he doesn't really have that 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 offense is is very very stagnant still despite having more shooters. So I don't know like how does he evolve as a player? He's 27, he should be right into his prime. The shooting has taken a step back this year, but the shooting has taken a step back for every single player on the Knicks. They shot yeah. out of their minds in in 2021. So I don't know. I mean, it raises the question of like what should they do? Like who should they be pursuing somebody at the trade deadline? Should they be just kind of keeping their powder dry and you know, holding out for a good draft pick. I genuinely don't know what direction they should take for them. They're in a very, very weird spot. They're in a weird, weird spot because last year was such a feel-good year. They obviously wanted to be a playoff team again this year. And I guess that's not out of the realm. I mean, you look at the East, five through like 12 is like separated by what, like two or three games. So you got a soft party schedule. You rattle off a couple of wins. Then you can maybe get to where you need to be. But like, they're not anywhere close to being like what you'd call elite championship contender, that sort of deal. So they, they need better dudes. Like sometimes the NBA, you know this, it's about stars. It's about having dudes. They don't have enough of that. They don't, who, who is the guy? Like you're hoping Barrett is eventually going to be a guy where you're like, all right, this is a perennial legitimate all-star player. And he hasn't had the year and he hasn't taken that leap forward this season. And I thought he was going to, quite frankly. You know, they're 14 and 17. You think like last year, Rose saved their saved their bacon in a lot of games, right? There were games where they were down eight, down 12, and the Rose lineup would come in and they would fight back. And Rose hasn't been Rose this year, and now he's hurt. And then, so you got that. You have Rando, who was a 40% three-point shooter last year. Now he's down to like low 30s and that's cost them five points a game. So if you just say those two things, it makes sense that they're not as good as last year. Also, the East is better. And then I, the RJ point is the key point to me because the Randall thing, him going backwards, I, I, I can't say I'm shocked based I'm on shocked. what happened at Atlanta. I, and I, I had a lot of reservations about the extension because I would have rather have him play it out have him earn whatever the big extension is. Let's see, was last year for real or not? The RJ thing, I mean, he was 17.6 last year for points, 44% field goal. This year, he's 15 points a game and 40% field goal. And I'm not just talking stats. I test too. I thought he actually looked pretty confident in uh, in November. There was like a two-week stretch where it's like, oh, here he comes. And since then, it's 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 been a cratering. And now it's like, can that guy be even the chess piece? Like, let's say you're trying to get De'Aaron Fox, which Verno and KOC talked about on the mismatch, which has been rumored for a while. He's a Kentucky guy. Obviously, they love the Kentucky guys. You could argue Fox on a new team, you're getting a distressed asset. But I don't know how you get him if RJ's not in the deal. And if I'm the Kings, I don't know how RJ is the centerpiece of a Fox deal. Have you? Where do you stand on him, Sean, in uh, year three? I still believe he had a horrible horrible November in a way that like I don't even really understand what happened he shot like 35% from the field this is like a 6 foot 7 wing shooting 35% from the field for an entire month 
he would have plenty of nights where he would just go two for 13 inexplicably. In December, before he went into COVID protocols, he looked a little better. I I, I actually don't really want to give him up for a piece. I'd still think he's 20, I want to bet with him too. He's, I 20, bet he's with him 21. Too. He's because 21 years I old. I still think there's so much like untapped potential that's there. I'm with you there, Fantasy. Like, he's the third pick in the draft. It's always going to haunt you, okay? You could have had John Morant. You're not saying that as much about Zion now because he's like 500 pounds. So that's a that's a story <laughs> for a different day. And that was the guy every Knicks fan wanted. But you want to have this guy who's like the homegrown guy, the third pick. Like, it, it, there's so much likability with the player. You almost want to see somehow, some way it's paid forward. And one note about this year, and I had a funny feeling this was going to happen. The Knicks took advantage of all these teams a year ago. The bubble, the long time in the bubble. Knicks didn't have that. Nobody nobody was in the bubble for that team. So they came in fresh. It's Tibbs' first year. They're taking names. They're kicking ass. They're playing 110% every single night. Well, you're coming off 82 games of that. These teams are a lot more recharged. And the East... It's a lot better. I mean, there's like two or three hideous teams in the Eastern Conference. Detroit's hideous. Orlando's hideous. By the way, they lost to them twice at Madison Square Garden. Outside of that, everybody can play. Right. Cleveland being better wasn't great for them. The weirdest thing with RJ for me is there's there's a real difference with his home splits and his road splits this year. He's bad at home. Yes. And I don't really understand that. He's the type of guy, I would think all their young guys would be way better at home. And he's the opposite. I... Look, the 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 contracts, I don't care if they're two-year deals, whatever. The contracts that made no sense to me, Nerlens going in for two years for him for like 18 million. I just don't get it. I think you can get Big Ben for on the minimum. Kemba, another one. So you're you're paying 17.5 million just for Nerlens and Kemba this year, which to me is just nonsensical. And then you're paying that next year too. Burks for a nine and a half, I'm okay with. I, I think he's, he's actually, a rotation he's, guy. He's yeah. solid. He's, he's solid. solid for them. So I'd sign off on that. And then he gave Rose $28 million guaranteed based on how he played last year. But Rose is old. And Rose has had a lot of injuries. And, you know, the odds of Rose being able to make it through another full season when they, you saw what happened to him in the playoffs when they were putting big miles on him. And then Fournier, I had a bad experience with in Boston for, you know, obvious reasons. He sucked. But he had COVID. You could talk yourself into it. Oh, maybe. I get it. He's somebody, the ball can move with him. They needed another facilitator. But you've seen a lot of the warts, and it might not be a big city guy. JJ, it seems like you don't like this team. You know what it is? Last year was so much fun, and it was so enjoyable day in and day out. They get off to the 5-1 start. I'll tell you what drove me insane. The stupid bing-bong videos. I'm so over it. Like, thank goodness they have finally, like, retired they're playing bing bong. They're down 25 points in Madison Square Garden. I don't want to hear it. Please, I don't want to hear it. There is something, Bill, that's missing with the Knickerbockers. I don't I don't know how to describe it. They're not moving the ball as well. They're not defending as well. You're trying to figure out why to get off to slow starts. What's the ideal starting lineup? It's just like a bad, bad mix that's been like building and building and building over the last couple of weeks. And it could change. That's that's kind of like my saving grace. I'm holding out hope that I don't see schedule. Well, I, I'm trying to be positive here. You know, you try to find only, positive only things to look forward I, to. Who drops out of the top ten in the East? You know, and Atlanta is eleventh. So you need 
I don't think they have more talent than Atlanta. They don't. Atlanta's they don't. been disappointing too, though, for what it's yeah, Atlanta's been really disappointing. They've also had some COVID stuff recently. Toronto at least has an identity. I know what that team is. Mm-hmm. They play hard every night. Too. Whereas, they, yeah, the Knicks don't really have the same identity. Charlotte and the Celtics, I just think, have more talent. And then the Wizards would be, I guess, the only one in that top group who could fall out. And I get the reason I bring this up, Sean, right now the Knicks are fourth from the bottom in the East. And if you go into the West, like basically they are 10th from the bottom right now. And you've been, you've done this before. You've been in that, oh, should we, should we go for the draft pick? Whatever. I'm flipping it around the other way. I would argue that draft picks an asset and you have some more draft picks too that you've accumulated and Toppin's an asset. And I think all three of us really like Toppin. So the question for me is, should Toppin play more or should Toppin with that pick be the centerpiece? Like if you get Miles Turner right now and Toppin has to be in it and maybe your pick protected top four has to be in it, but you get Turner or even better Sabonis. So I think, you know, I think Sabonis is I like Sabonis a lot more than Turner. That, you put, that excites me. Sabonis, yes. Turner, I have serious hesitations. And so, I know he would help, and I know he would provide an element of defense. He's a rim protector. He can shoot it. Sabonis, dude, I love his game, man. I love his game. I want him for the Celtics, too. Is I know Toppin you do. A, is Toppin untouchable for you, Sean? I don't know what he is yet. I was really critical of that pick because I really wanted Tyrese Halliburton. And yeah. it, it was Donovan Mitchell all over again to me. Different players, but same thing. They're, they're constantly stuck in this between 8 and 12 draft pick over the years. They're, you know, they're very rarely... When they got into the top three, they got RJ. I like RJ a lot. Being in that 8 to 12 range is very challenging. So a lot of times you end up with Kevin Knox's. And yeah, I don't want them to be stuck in that place again. I was completely fine with them getting knocked out in the first round because I was like, you know what? Playoffs, progress, this is growth. The one thing we're not talking about, though, is this was like the best defensive team in the NBA last year. And they have taken a massive step back. And I remember when they signed Fournier and Kemba... I was completely fine with it because offense is what they desperately needed in that playoff series against the Hawks. But if you take Alfred Payton, who I hated watching every night, and you take yeah. Reggie Bullock off the floor for 30 minutes a game, and you replace them with Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker and Quickly and more Rose, they can't defend. That well, is- and, Ro- and Robinson went backwards too, it seems like. I- he, he has been better in December, but he did not have a good November either. And so you're in this weird position where you're like, a half all offense team and a half all defense team. And they don't, so they don't have the identity like JJ is saying. All right, JJ, Leon and Wes call you and they say, just give us your one move where everything's on the table for us. Give us one move we have to do. What would you tell them? That is a loaded question right there. Loaded, loaded question. I mean, you're going to have to give up the moon and the stars for Lillard. I, I don't I I don't know how they would possibly make that work. So that would not be my move. You're gonna call me crazy here. I think I'm gonna get called crazy on this podcast, but that's okay. Zion Williamson is 500 pounds. I think Zion Williamson coming to New York, playing with his buddy Barrett, would instantly get into shape. Maybe this is maybe this is a reach. Maybe I'm grasping. I need a star in New York. I need one of those guys. I'd be on the phone. I'd say, can we get Zion? maybe 65 cents on the dollar and roll the dice that we can get his ass into shape and that he can be the guy we dreamed he was going to be a couple of years ago. That Kyle, was that, my, Kyle was the camera on? <laughs> I hope the camera was on for that. So, so you're though. saying, you're saying RJ Barrett, Toppin, 
No, I don't want it to. I want to keep the two of them together. I don't know if it's humanly possible, but remember, they have that Duke connection. Remember. Oh, so you so you're saying everyone's on the table except RJ for Zion. I would, so I would, I would like to hold on to RJ. Picks, right. pick swaps quickly. Yeah. I'm in on it. With it whatever. I don't, and you're I, hoping to <laughs> overwhelm the the Pelicans. And that's the Pelicans, right. By you the way, if it. the Pelicans are like, cool, let's trade Zion, that would make me even more nervous to get Zion. It'd be mm. like, hey, I really want to buy your house. And the person who owns the house is like, great. Can we waive the home inspection? Yeah, but they're not going <laughs> to resign him in a couple of years. They may be at the point where they say, you know what? We got we to gotta start this thing over, no? I, I don't. I, the, the Zion, it's so weird. Everything is so overreported right now in the NBA. And I know less about the Zion thing. I don't know how much he weighs. I don't know what's wrong with his foot. It just keeps getting pushed back. We don't, the New Orleans basically has no media there. There's like two reporters. We have no information. I don't know anything. You Sean, don't think you'd get a discount on him? I, you're not getting him without sending RJ I away. think you need, you need RJ in the deal, I think is the problem. Now, the question is, maybe you send RJ to the Pelicans to try to get Brandon Ingram back, but now you have another scoring forward. And well, Brandon Ingram is playing well lately, too. I, so. I would love to have Brandon Ingram in, yeah. in my life. Um, all right, we're going to take a, a quick break, and then I want to talk a little football with you guys. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24 7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60 day money back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring. At simplysafe.com slash BS. That is simply safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So quickly, here was the here was the Rich Kleiman tweet. Oh, and the Nets win with eight guys, and KD plays the way he did, and on New York Radio is talking about Steph. And I love Steph. He's basically saying Durant's the best player in the world or second best player in the world, depending on how you feel against him and Giannis. And he's right there. But this is like, this is why we didn't want Katie to sign with the Nets. He signed with the Nets. He's getting what he yeah. deserved. I'm but, sorry. I, Richie, uh, Richie's got to know better. I thought he's like a New Yorker through he and through. No, Rich, Rich knows. Rich gets the next thing 100%. He but knows. J JJ, was it you or Bill? One of you guys, maybe it was both of you guys, said that the Nets might actually be a more popular national team than they the are. New York team. It's not even close, fantasy. Like you see these, like these talk media shows, you know, whatever Fox, ESPN, whatever the hell they are, they love talking about the Nets. If you start shows in New York talking about the Nets, and an FN doesn't like to hear this, your ratings are going to stink. Your clicks are going to stink. I'm sorry, unless it's postseason basketball, they're not moving the needle day in and day out. They're not. Do you think they switch their stance on Kyrie? Because of the way COVID has shifted the last couple of months, the way people are thinking about it, or because they're that desperate? I think it's COVID. I could be wrong on this. I think it's COVID. Maybe it would have changed over the next couple of weeks, but I think they're suiting up six guys. They just need bodies. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a total shit show. So I think for them, it's like, look, if we can get another body in there and have them for road games, so be it. I've been thinking about them in, in the context of the LA Rams and, and, the, and the LA Chargers. 
and yeah. how you know they're a team that kind of moved but moved proximate and how it's good we always knew it was going to take a long time for people to get excited but now if you look at the rams and what mcveigh is doing and you look at what herbert is doing for the chargers it's kind of like these actually might be long-term like la staple fandoms and i i wonder if katie harden Kyrie, because of the way the league is set up this year and the way that duran is playing if they win a title can it shift will the story change like it's a it's a there's a genuine question especially if the knicks completely fall out of contention this year and then we get set up for another 10 years of Nets dominance and Nick's ineptitude I I could see it it's just going to take a long time I don't see it me neither I think it's like me when neither. they like when the LA Kings won the Stanley Cup title here you were here in time for that right fantasy mm-hmm. and it was a fun story people jumped on the bandwagon for two weeks there there was a pretty small parade and then that was it you know, but it was like Lake. It was Lakers, Dodgers, and it's USC, UCLA, and that's what carries the day here. And you're just not breaking into that. And I think, you know, we've talked about this before in the pod, but these cities, they they just have these entrenched teams that have generations of fans, and you're never breaking into it. I wish, I really wish somebody awesome had gone to MSG because you even felt it during that Curry game, the electricity there. And we've all talked about this a million times, but. Um, I think with the Nets thing, the other thing is Harden's just way less fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I found I was, the, my iCloud filled up. So I've been deleting all these pictures and videos. That's been one of my holiday things as I'm doing other things. And I had these all-star game videos on my phone from when that game was here like three years ago. And just randomly I had this Harden play where he was right in front of us. Uh, basically had Westbrook on the baseline and was doing hard and stuff and just went by him. And it was like, Oh my God, he's like 25 pounds thinner and way faster. Like it's not even close. And I, I, I don't think I had fully realized like how much, I don't know whether it's age, whether it's a little extra weight, whatever it is, but he just, I know he's putting up decent stats. I know he'll have every once in a while games, but there's just the level of speed that he was moving at three, four years ago. It's no contest. And so, there's always going to be a question with him. When it comes to the playoffs. And listen, Durant's the go-to guy. We all know that. But Hart yeah. has come up so small in the postseason so many different times. I look at Brooklyn, and I can't stand a guy. I think he's impossible to root for. I think he's incredibly tough to take because if it wasn't the vaccine, it would probably be something else with Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I can't see them winning a title, though, guys, if he's not back. Like, they they, they, they need him. Like, they're, they're a dude short if we're talking championship if Kyrie's not there I'm sorry they're short yeah and the league is I just think better than it used to be you know 100% the league ebbs and flows and you think about like even that 2018 Cavs team that LeBron made the finals with and you look at the two through 12 talent on that team compared to what it would take now to to get in there and I I just think like like Milwaukee that team that, that when they get everyone back like their top nine is just really really impressive and you look at the way KD and Jokic uh, and Curry and like some of the best players in the league are, are playing like the best they've ever played, you know? So I, I think the the bar is high. Uh, where the bar is not high is with New York football. There's been a lot of talk and some pieces written about the Jets and Giants. JJ on his New York, New York pod, this has been a recurring theme. It's almost like kicking a dog after a while. Like, like I, there's not even a ton to say, but I think it's kind of incredible how both of these teams keep missing on whoever the franchise quarterback should be. And they've had awesome picks. The Giants got criticized for 
taking Barkley over Darnold. I was in the minority. I thought Barkley was the right pick because I just thought Darnold was whatever. Now you can say, oh, they should have taken Josh Allen. They were never taking Josh Allen second. Sorry, that was never happening. Uh, the Jets, the Zach Wilson thing, and all of a sudden it was just going that way and everybody was like, well, they're taking Zach Wilson. There are five QBs on the board. He hasn't shown any reason to think that he's going to make it. Now, who knows? He's in a terrible situation. And then the Giants, they're going to clean house, start over, and they just had a ton of picks, and yet they're still starting over. Fantasy, I'm not going to ask you this because you have a dog in this race. So I'll, I'll ask JJ first. Okay. JJ's a Dolphins fan. Which franchise would you least want to be out of the Jets-Giants right now? Going Giants. forward. Giants, I think it's an easy call. And you mentioned the idea that they're definitely going to clean house. I wouldn't be so sure because I think this owner has completely lost his way. I think there is a chance they go and hire a GM internally or they go get one of Joe Judge's buddies to go and be the GM of the team. And you're rewarding a head coach who's double digit games under 500. He was so conservative early in the year with the way he was coaching the team. It was embarrassing. Um, you, you look at them offensively, they're a joke. They're in cap hell next season. Their cap situation, because of what Dave Gettleman has done the last few years. How is that even possible? How could you be bad and have a bad cap situation? It's impossible. I'm well aware. Tell that to a Giant fan. And their reward is getting their medium soda Sunday with 60% of Dallas Cowboy fans. I can't believe I'm saying this because the Jets have been out of the playoffs for a decade, but at least... It's the first year of a quarterback. It's the first year of, you know, Robert Salen, what they're looking to do. And they did hit on draft picks outside of Wilson. Veritek is going to be a really good lineman. Elijah Moore, when he was out there, is a freak. He's a dynamic receiver. Carter is a talented running back. I see some glimmers with the Jets, even though the division is brutal. The Giants, you're going to bring back this head coach. You're going to bring back a quarterback, let's say, who doesn't play, and when he's out there, he's mediocre at best. (laughs) What is there to feel good about with the Giants? It's the Giants, hands down, Bill. Mm. I I think the Giants have one move. Because if you're right, if they don't end up like blowing it up and handing the car keys to some expensive whatever, and they're like doing it more, you got to bring back Parcells as a special advisor. (laughs) What about Parcells Francesa? That would be amazing. I'd be in. If you turn <laughs> the Giants do that tomorrow, I'm in. I'm all Parce- board. That's Parcells it. and Francesa as special advisors. But seriously, I think Parcells still has such a halo effect with the Giants fans. If they said he's just coming in as a special advisor, I think everybody would be like, all right, that sounds cool. I have no idea how, Parce- how old Parcells is. He might be like 130. I know he gives interviews every once in a while. Uh, Sean, Zach Wilson through four months. How you feeling? It's been really painful. Um, I think it's been really painful watching <laughs> Mac Jones uh, across the aisle. I, I I am not out on him. I think that there is still a possibility. I've, I've been now going back and looking at rookie seasons for quarterbacks who developed really well. And he does look a little bit like some of those quarterbacks who all, all had those kind of like eight touchdowns, 12 interceptions in your first season kind of year. He has flashed a couple times. It's not that he hasn't flashed. It's just that what's been most frustrating with him is He's actually worst at the easiest things. He's been worst at hitting receivers on short routes or checkdowns. He's because been wor- he throws the ball 199 miles an hour. Throws it way too hard. Does not have a good feel. Does not seem like he's yet a good leader in any way. But JJ's right. They hit on a bunch of guys in this last draft. They also have 
like seven picks in the top 100 coming next year. And especially they have two first round picks, two likely top 10 picks coming. So if Douglas hits on more picks, surrounds him with more quality. The truth is, is that the defense has actually been more of a disaster. The defense has been awful this year. And it's mostly because they have very, very little talent and have had a lot of injuries. It's almost impossible to know whether Salah is going to be a good coach or not. I genuinely well, don't know. They, the funny thing is they trade Jamal Adams and it just seems like a terrible trade for the Jets. It's like, oh my God, now we're getting more picks. We had this guy. He was one of the best 15, 20 players in the league, we thought. And all he's done has been over and over injured in Seattle. And then when he's out there, it doesn't seem like they know where to play him. It's like, is he, is he a middle linebacker or what is he? Is he doesn't seem like he's a safety the same way like somebody like Kyle Duggar on the Patriots is where they're just flying around. And you end up just, you get this pick during this year when the Seahawks are in complete shambles. And now you look at it and they lost again the other day. They had a last minute loss. The Seahawks are the seventh worst team right now. They're five and nine. There's two, four and 10 teams under them, the Giants and the Bears. So that pick's going to be like seven, eight range. And then the Jets are bottom four again. And the, the Jets J have a huge game yes. for draft pick reasons against the Jags this week. 17 players and their head coach in COVID protocols against this against the Jags this weekend. If the Jets lose, they have a great chance to finish with the number one overall pick and also have another top 10 pick. I actually don't know the history of the NFL draft, but there are probably not very many examples of teams having that much power in the draft. They can trade back if they want to accumulate even more picks. Douglas has won almost every deal he's made. He just has one pretty mediocre to downright bad 2020 draft and one really promising 21 draft. So it's a, it's well, a, and you a said you break. needed, you said you needed defense. Take the Hutching, Hutchinson kid yeah, from Michigan. This draft's loaded with defense, right? They, That's it a does no have the QB and star they have power. Not had, they have not had a legitimate pass rusher since John Abraham. Now, yep. they thought they were going to have a Lawson, who they signed from Cincinnati in the offseason. Hutchinson is the number one pick. Oh, my goodness. That's a double-digit sack machine for the next decade. Would be a megastar in New York, too. Right. So, yeah, you're right. The Jets are in a much better spot. The Giants... They're looking at somewhere in the sixth range. I'm sure they're going to be in all the Russell Wilson rumors. I, if they can afford them. See, that's the problem with their cat. I, I guess the NFL cap changes and you can finagle stuff. And whatnot. Isn't it supposed to go way, way up next year, too? I feel like it's supposed to go way up. Yeah, but if I'm him, why do I want to go to the Giants? Other than well, I want to wife. live in New York City. The, the wife's saying that she wants to live in New York. That's the only reason why. You know, it's a fun football trade. situation. It stinks. You know, it's a fun trade, Sean. What's that? What if Zach... Zach Wilson and Russell Wilson. What if it was a Wilson for Wilson with some other stuff in it? I have been taunting Mina Kimes with this very trade. You know? I'll, what did I'll she say? I'll happily give you back that number eight overall pick in Zach Wilson if you'll give us Russell Wilson. Let's go. That sounds uh, great. What I'm building like the offensive line. Elijah I, Moore. What, come let's on. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Makes more sense from a schematic standpoint for the Jets because of the young talent that's ascending as opposed to the Giants where it's like, hey, Barkley, the guy... The guy's not the most explosive running back on his team. Uh, the weapons for the Giants were supposed to be phenomenal, top-notch, top 10 in the league. They stink. The Jets, all of a sudden, would have better. Ooh, that's juicy, guys. I like Sounds that. Sounds fun. Sounds fun to me. That would be... I, I That would be an amazing trade because nothing makes me happier than when a team has such a colossal fuck-up and then has to make the second 
make up for the fuck up trade, but then they're getting back the mistake they made. Their in own the first. Yes. Like, it's like, that never happens. It never happens. Like, oh, that no. pick we never should have traded. Can we have that back as we trade our franchise quarterback who won a Super Bowl? I would love it so much. Also, Russell Wilson instantaneously becomes the greatest quarterback in New York Jets history. Wow, we're putting him ahead of Broadway Joe? I mean, is he not? No, I can't do that. That's not fair to Broadway Joe. I can't really? do it. I mean, I can't do it. Joe Broadway is a legend, legend but... right there. If my dad was listening right now, he'd be very upset at Let you. Let me tell you something. Broadway Joe's pro football reference page is one of the most shocking things you'll see on the internet. Well, it's I right think up it's there like with... More, it is, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's like one more touchdown and interception, right? It's something crazy along those I lines. I think it's more interceptions it than is. touchdowns. I think so, too. Ooh, and it's different like... Different world, though. Let's be honest. Playing quarterback in 1970 or 1985 is totally different than playing a position now. Drastically different. I know. I, I love this account on Twitter. It's it's called like old time football and they show clips from like the 60s, 70s and 80s. They've been on a great Billy White Shoes Johnson run lately. I really appreciate it. Shout out to that account. But they'll show some quarterbacks just getting annihilated, like like really like genuinely annihilated where you wonder like it's amazing. Roger Staubach was able to play for 10 years, like with the hits they take and like Bradshaw seeing the way he is on TV now makes way more sense because these guys are getting crushed and they're going at their knees. Yeah, but even if you look back to when your team had its first dynasty, I saw this clip the other day. It made me sick. The walk-off Troy Brown touchdown in Miami. Oh, it was wonderful. Brady got decapitated on that play. (laughs) He did. Like, dude, that would never, ever, ever stand out. Like, they'd be throwing 10 zillion flags if that happens. I watched Man in the Arena episode four with my son, which is about the 07 season. Sean, don't watch this. Your your eyes will just start gushing blood. Although they do lose in the end. But uh, they're showing the highlights of that Super Bowl. And Brady's, there's at least five hits on Brady from the Giants front four in that game. That would be penalties now. They're hitting him over and over again in the head, like after he throws it. And you can't do any of that stuff now. They're, I mean, if anything, they're they're over. They've overreacted the other way. It's pretty funny. Football has really, really changed. Football and comedy. I think there's a lot of <laughs> parallels. Interesting. <laughs> like that works. It, start, it starts at like 2009, and both of them just completely go in a different direction. And then when you go back to the 2000s, you're like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. Well, I think you notice it in some of like the rewatches you see, even in like sitcoms, and even if you watch like you know certain dramas or whatever. Some of the language that they're using in like 2005, you can oh, never yeah. get away with it now. Never in a million years. I was on an airplane yesterday next to my son who was, you know, when Zach Galifianakis and The Hangover, because he's watching The Hangover, when he's got the baby Carlos and he pretends to jerk off Carlos, he's like, not at the table, Carlos. <laughs> People would have like a heart attack if that happened now. There's no way. But back then it was hilarious. That part is still funny. Yeah, that part is still a fucking... Lights out funny. All right, Sean, congrats on the Jets. JJ, <laughs> uh, well, Russell, you got Russell Wilson trade rumors. You got Sounds a big good. game to blow against the Jags this week. You might have two <laughs> top seven picks. I think this is, I think you're looking, things are looking up. I've been hey, living listen, in hell for 10 uh, years. I know the New hey. York, New York audience doesn't like this. My football team's got a big game to play on Monday night after one and seven. So I got a little extra pep in my stomach. Well, just and you're, we're about to cover this on Million Dollar Picks. You're going against the old Notre Dame quarterback, Ian Book. I was looking forward to Taysom Hill against the Zero Blitz. That's just me, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, you got a little Ian Book. The Dolphins, will you be 8-7 and seven after this? Can you imagine if the Dolphins win the next two and they're playing your Patriots for a chance at the postseason? <laughs> Kick a dream, Bill. Kick a dream. <laughs> Congratulations. All right, listen to uh, JJ on his New York, New York pod. You can listen to Sean on 
the big picture and on the rewatchables every once in a while. Uh, good to see you guys. Thanks, Bill. You got it. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I understand that some things you just want to keep private. Maybe it's something you don't want anyone to know, or maybe you think it's something minor, so why bother? But if you keep everything bottled up, if you let those emotions sit there and fester, it could be really, really bad from you. Sometimes it depends on what kind of family you're from. Like my dad's family is one of those. They bottle everything up, bottle everything up, and then they all just get mad at each other. Listen, talking things through is more helpful than you think. If you want a safe space for that conversation, I recommend some therapy. Think about the things you can get out of therapy. First of all, a sounding board. You can learn better coping skills. You can learn how to set some boundaries, maybe how to empower yourself a little better day to day. And if you want to give therapy a try, well, I have an answer. BetterHelp, a convenient and flexible way since it's entirely online right now. It's easy to get started too. You can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bill Simmons today to get 10% off your first month. That is betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bill Simmons. All right, Peter Schrager is here from Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. He's here every Thursday to do Million Dollar Picks. We're doing it early again. It's 12.15 Pacific time. We're going to try to get this one in under the wire before Niners-Titans, just because we know who's actually playing in Niners-Titans. This is just sheer lunacy, what's, ha what's happening with this. Uh, I don't know how we have teases. We have underdog parlays we're going to do later, and we barely know uh, anyone's going to play. But I wanted, we were just talking about the Jets and the Giants with Sean and JJ. And talking about how the Jets are in this secret kind of decent position where they're going to have these two potential top eight picks. They hit a lot of their 2021 draft picks. Who knows with Wilson? But the arrow's pointing up a tiny bit. And then we were theorizing about, could that be a Russell Wilson team? And there's been a lot of Russell Wilson stuff going on. Uh, you know, a lot of rumors and obviously a sad last season. And it does seem like they're probably going to trade him. Where do you think... Do you have any intel on where he would want to go and what kind of team do you think makes sense for him? Do you think he's a big market guy or do you think he's a win a Super Bowl guy? Because he's already won the Super Bowl. So I, to me, he seems more like a situation city guy versus a, I want to win the Super Bowl guy. But what do you think? Well, when last year when he spoke with Dan Patrick and he gave those four, or his agent came out and provided those four cities, I believe it was New Orleans, Chicago, New York, and it was one other. Was it like Vegas? Vegas. Yeah. And all four of those cities are not necessarily number, but they are entertainment capitals of, of, the, of the world. And you look at those markets and you say, okay, well, they've got uh, places where not only he can perform, but perhaps his wife can have a residency in Las Vegas or she wants to go to New York. She can do Broadway or you go to Chicago. It's a mega city. Um, I, I look at the the coaches too. Like I think Sean Payton and Russell Wilson would be an awesome combination. Like that would yep. be really fun. And for Russell, he's never had that offensive coach, that offensive guru. A lot of his stuff is so off schedule and it's always been a pizza defensive minded coach that's going to want to run the ball and Russell's going to do what he does and break the pocket and make it happen. But he's never had the Sean McVay. Maybe the hiring of Shane Waldron was his desire to get that. And maybe Shane hasn't been that guy up there in Seattle, but I, I would look at the coaches and I would look at the market for him. Now, Sala was in Seattle for a time. Uh, and I know he has a great relationship with Russ as well. So who knows, maybe they can play that card, but uh, it's going to be interesting with him because I think he now is more likely 
um, a guy that makes more sense than Rodgers if Rodgers seems to be happy and be enjoying the season. I don't know if Rodgers is so sure to be leaving Green Bay right now. Yeah, I don't think there's any way to predict the Rodgers thing, but Wilson, who I think turns 33 next year, and in the old days, that's a pretty dangerous age, but he was on my podcast last year talking about how he wants to play to his mid-40s like Brady does and um, how much money he spends on his body and how seriously he takes it. And you could get 10 more years out of him. I have not liked what I've seen this year from him. Now, I know he's been hurt, uh, just ain't, but even before he got hurt, something seemed off with that team the whole time. And even dating back to um, that dip he had after there was all that MVP conversation about him the first half of last season, he really hasn't looked like a top five QB in the league for a year. And I guess the question is, is that because of the team he's on or what's happening? I think he's carrying a lot on his shoulders. And I know Seattle fans would tell you, no, now look, we were built with Legion of, Do Legion of Boom and we had that big up front with Michael Bennett and we had Marshawn Lynch and maybe it's not a Russell Wilson. Like, I don't know. I think that guy still throws one of the prettiest balls in football. His teammates love him. Um, he is a leader and I feel like he he's still got plenty of football left, left in him. Now, his contract is a little interesting. Like, Pete's contracts uh, all the way through 2025 and Pete's 70 now. John Schneider, the GM, is 2027. So everyone's like, blow it up. It would take Jody Allen, who's the serving owner right now, it would take her to be like, I I'm just going to pay out these two men uh, you know, for 12 years and restart and we're going to hire new... I don't see that. Russell, they've paid him all his guaranteed stuff. He's got two more years left on the deal, but he has a no trade clause. So he can kind of dictate and maneuver that. But I would imagine there is a long line of coaches and teams and owners that will be lining up if his services are up on the trade table. They're in a weird spot because the ownership, obviously, Paul Allen dies. Jody Allen takes over, but not necessarily probably what she wanted to do in life. And she's also overseeing the Blazers as well. We've seen this happen in the past where somebody who didn't really necessarily intend to be an owner is now in charge of stuff. They usually tend to be pretty cautious. We saw this in the Pelicans with Gail Benson when she took over, like very tiptoey. They don't want to do anything crazy. Whereas like the new owner who comes in, like the David Tepper type, he's going to come in. He's like, I want to put my imprint on this. I want my guy. I want to make moves. I want to make noise. I want to make a splash. This is the opposite, which almost makes me wonder if this just stays dysfunctional next year and everybody's back and, you know, they don't have their first round pick from the Adams trade, but kind of nothing happens. But if I were them, I, I think trading Wilson's the move because they, the draft picks they've had and the trades they've made the last couple of years, they, they are now need a full rebuild. They, this is not something you're going to just fix. Yeah. And they're in a competitive division. I mean, those three teams aren't going anywhere anytime soon, but yeah, I, I look at it though. If you're Russ, all right, trade me to new Orleans and I could be with Sean Payton and Alvin Kamara and that's all good. And maybe Michael Thomas comes back, but like, I don't know. I, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are pretty darn good. And Seattle is a, is a great organization. Like, does he really want to rebuild and do this whole thing all over again? Or is he just like, let's give it one more ride. And then I'm in the final year of my contract and we'll see. This year's a lost season. It's well, I think he likes being famous. I think he likes being in the mix and you're not going to be in the mix in Seattle on a five and 11 team. Yeah. Not a five and 11 team, but do you feel like you see any less of Russell Wilson because he's in Seattle than if he was in, New Orleans, I mean, or... I do. I think I think if he was the New Orleans Saints quarterback and they're nine and six and people are talking about them as a sleeper and him and Sean Payton, like, you're in the mix again. 
So I think the danger for him, if like if I was his buddy talking to him about it, I'd be like, you could just be irrelevant for the next three years. You're just you're the fourth worst team in a loaded division for for these other three teams are really going for it and your team's rebuilding. Like, why the fuck would you want to stay there? Yeah. And I think Jets fans are, you know, pie in the sky, sure, we find out, but they just drafted a quarterback. I think the team in New York that everywhere I go on every street corner, it's a Giants fan asking me if they're getting Russell Wilson. I don't think it's the Jets. I think it would be the Giants who all indications are this might be the end of the road for the general manager. I think the coach stays on, um, but ownership has been very vocal with their unhappiness with this team, but also with unhappiness of being so irrelevant. And there's a lot of jokes going on uh, in New York market because they had a fan appreciation day and they gave out a medium Pepsi for free. And, you know, Giants fans were laughing at you need to show your PSL to get a medium Pepsi. And it was like, we've been to the playoffs in five years. It, the Russell Wilson, the Giants, that's not a Giants move. They don't do that. They don't yeah. go crazy, make a huge splash. They're an old traditional organization built through the draft. But gosh, if Russell Wilson came to the Giants, uh, the New York football market would be revitalized for the first time in five years. Pro Bowl stuff came out yesterday. It's do you get funny. worked up on it? Do you get worked up or no? I don't get worked up. I really enjoy it though because I watch football every week. I watch way too much football and certain guys jump out, right? So when I see the final list, it all makes sense. Like the NFC receivers, it was Adams, Jefferson, Cup, Samuel. I would have been able to predict that. That's fine. You yeah. know, you see like the the defensive stuff where it's like the two middle line, inside middle linebackers are Parsons and Wagner. I'm like, I would have predicted that. Those guys jump off the screen. Where it gets interesting to me is when they do like the tackles and guards and centers and like the long snapper. How do they decide the long snapper? Whoa, some good long snaps this year by uh, by Josh Harris in Atlanta. It's really, he was really on the ball. But for the most part, I think it's a really fun thing. And I think it's also informative if somebody has a lot of pro bowlers. It means something. And India had seven. And to me, that means something. It it kind of confirms, I think, the two teams, and I know you just did this on Good Morning Football, the two teams that now have real, real, real deep sleeper buzz are San Francisco and, Indi- and Indianapolis. You were saying on Good Morning Football about San Francisco, you don't trust their cornerbacks. No, they're atrocious. Yeah, at some point, but, somebody's going to be able to throw in them. That's We don't have to worry about that this week against Titans, but at some point, somebody's going to be able to throw in them. What don't you trust about Indy other than Wentz, or is it just Wentz? It's just Wentz. At some point, Carson Wentz has to go and has to beat Patrick Mahomes in a football game, or Carson Wentz has to go and outthrow Josh Allen in a football game. And I I know that they ran all over the Bills and they beat the Bills earlier this season with Jonathan Taylor, but I don't know if you can win football games in January with 58 yards. And like, I don't know, there's that. And then yeah, they get in these shootout games and they don't necessarily win them. Like the the Buccaneers were able to, to go blow for blow with them and win in their building. This this Colts team is really fun to watch. They're really tough, but gosh, that quarterback, there's not a long history of him making big plays and big moments. And if anything, and I'm not a Wentz hater, but there, if anything, there's a history of him shrinking in those moments. So we'll see. And and I know there's a lot of Wentz supporters who will say, hey, when he did that two years ago, it wasn't his fault. He got injured in the playoff game. But the week before, he beat Dak with no receivers. And I get it. Like, it's fine. But Saturday night, did you get the feeling that if they needed Wentz to make a final drive there, he was going to... No, it was Jonathan Taylor who goes 70 yards and puts them away. So, dude, uh, Wentz, you're 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 soft tone this one. Wentz stinks. I was dying for Wentz to throw the ball as my team's going against him and I'm just like, "Please 
let Wentz throw the ball. This is our best chance. Please don't hand the ball off. Please get Wentz in a position where he tries to make... I just don't believe in him at all. And I think, you know, at some point, he's going to get him. He's going he's gonna to submarine their season. I don't know when it's going to happen. But they were so nervous. That was the irony of that second 11, Taylor running for 70 yards to clinch the game. And it's like, Wentz was not throwing the ball again in that game. It was going to be two more Taylor runs and the Pats were going to get the ball back at like the 20-yard line and they would have had a minute to go 50 seconds. And I think they would have. And I, I think the other thing with the Colts that jumped out to me is really fast defense. You're not going to be able to run to the sides on them. They're going to bring pressure. But I do think you can spread them out and throw on them. And I think the Pats were reluctant to do that in the first half. In the second half, they weren't. They ended up losing two receivers as the game went along, which I think hurt them. But for the most part, I think you can throw in the Colts. So in a weird way, I think the Colts and the Niners have the same kryptonite. I trust Garoppolo way more than I trust Wentz. I do too. I do too. And I and I talked about it on Good Morning Philip. I'll tell you here, like, you'll see, and we're recording this on a Thursday, and we'll see if Tannehill can exploit it. He might not be able to, but like, this number 20, Ambry Thomas is a rookie. He plays corner for the San Francisco. Dante Johnson has been in the league for a long time. Not a great corner. And Josh Norman's the other one. So they have this great pass rush. They have an awesome offense. And they've got really good safeties in Tartan Ward. But a smart offensive coordinator will come into this game. And I know McVay's had his ass kicked by Shanahan and all these times. But it's like, all right, let's just, let's just throw the ball at these corners. And let's, let's do it that way. Because no one... No one has struggled. Like Jamar Chase is still running for another touchdown against this guy, 20 Thomas from Michigan. Like, I, I think that's a real problem for the Niners. And when you face Dak and you face Stafford and you face Brady and Rodgers in the playoffs, one of them is going to be able to pick on you on that way. What did you learn? Because I was on the East Coast. I didn't really see a ton of the Rams Seahawks. The Fox did that weird thing where they just yeah. showed the East Coast regional game. <laughs> yeah, I uh, liked it. It was old school. Yeah, it was kind of old school. And I ended up watching a lot of uh, Eagles D. But um, Eagles D against uh, the practice squad. Garrett Gilbert. I needed the Eagles D to stink in fantasy and they actually did and I was able to advance. So it was very exciting. I was able to make the final four in the lead, in the uh, West Coast ligament. But I didn't see a lot of the Rams game. It was weirdly close and I tried to catch up with reading about it and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But it just seemed like it was like a Cooper Cup game. <laughs> yeah, win and get by. It was not pretty. Yeah. Um, and the officiating was atrocious. Again, Sean Hockley on the call. Um, he had a non-call on fourth and six. If he's in the playoffs, that's one of the biggest, most egregious, terrible things that's happened. Well, what's frustrating from a just an objective fan and observer, and I hate picking on these crews like because it's it's like it's easy talk radio to do, but like this is the same crew that called twenty-eight flags on Thanksgiving. Then in the biggest play of the game. You know, Jones is all over DJ Dallas and, and they just don't call it. And there's like no consistency. If you're going to be a crew that calls a lot and you're the Carl Sheffers crew, which calls a ton of flags and like do that. And at least that's like your story. But if you're then going to call f- flags in one game and then not another, whatever. So that's one thing. Cup can't be stopped. That's it. Cooper, Bill, real quick. And I know we talked about it in the beginning of the season. We're like, is he the best wide receiver? If you're going to make the Jonathan Taylor argument for MVP and we're opening it up to non-quarterbacks, Cup has 20 more catches than Tyreek Hill, who's number two in the league. Jesus. He's got close to 300 more receiving yards than the number two in the league. And he's got three more receiving touchdowns than the number two. Like, he's running away from the from the competition. He's at the Triple Crown right now, which hasn't been done since 05. There's an argument to be made. I don't think a wide receiver is going to win MVP. But if you're going to start crowning Jonathan Taylor, I think you have to consider Cooper Cup as well. I think for a receiver or running back to win, they they and we talked about it with Sal on Sunday, they have to be so far ahead of whoever the number two guy is 
that has to make sense. Cup is like over and over again has just bailed the Rams out. I still feel like it's really going to, as stupid as this sounds, it's really going to come down to after week 17, we're going to have to look at the records, look at the numbers. You know, the Colts end up 11 and six. Sure. With Wentz as their QB. And every time Taylor rushes for 100 yards, they win, basically. It's it's hard to think that he's not there. But let's be honest, Rodgers should probably be the MVP. We just have to get that. We have to be get there mentally. But it felt like Brady tossed it away in that Saints game. I think so. Brady think had so. three Pro Bowl linemen, starters. I know. On his offensive line. He has three Pro Bowl starters on his offensive line. He has Evans. He has Godwin. He has Gronk. He has the Fournette Jones running back combo, which I think is kind of as it sneaky good sometimes. Um, but you know, compared to Rogers, who it just seems like that team never has the same four skill guys. No, and Rogers, he's missing four out of his five offensive linemen. I mean, literally, he's got third string offensive line. Rogers is doing right. ridiculous things. Brady, you know, it's funny because his last season in tennis against Tennessee when they lost that game it was like all right you can't blame Brady he doesn't want to throw to Jacoby Myers and you know Nikhil Harry the rest of his career let you know whatever it's the weapons are with no Godwin no Evans no uh Fournette like this next few weeks like let's see if Brady's this rejuvenated Brady or it's back to what it was against when he was with New England that final year where it was like he's down a bunch of skill guys and he's throwing a Gronk and maybe Antonio Brown, who hasn't played in months, and Scotty Miller. Like, let's see how good Brady is all over again. So he's in the same predicament he was then. They were just so healthy last year, and they've been so healthy since he got to Tampa. Now it's all the shit is against them with all these injuries. Yeah, I was hanging out with my dad this week, and he was delighted to see Brady's body language. So I was like, wow, you've turned on Brady. He's like, no, no, I haven't turned on Brady. But that was what he looked like in 2019 because he didn't have the same weapons and he was just super frustrated. And it's like, oh, sorry, you don't have a Pro Bowl offensive line and three Pro Bowl receivers to throw to. Like, it is part of the calculation with him, I do think. Like, if he's going to succeed in his mid-40s in a real way, he really needs weapons. He cannot do what Rodgers is doing this year, I don't think. Yeah, and I thought you you were great with Ben Affleck talking about it when he says, like, you know, he wanted to be close to his son who lives in New York. That's great. He also was entering a situation with Evans, Godwin. He knew what yeah, was going on there. He like, knew it was happening. Levante David, Devin White, like that Tampa team was built. It just needed that upgrade at quarterback, and it was him. We'll see what happens this week against Carolina. I mean, it would be a very strange thing if Brady shows up there against this rudderless Carolina team and they can't find a way to get a win. We are going to take a break and do some million-dollar picks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time, that's usually about Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Unlike this podcast, some things in life should be boring, like banking, because boring is pragmatic and responsible, level-headed, wise, all the things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be exciting. Exciting is for three-point buzzer beaters, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money because when your money is doing what you need it to, 
You can do all the unboring things you want to do with it. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc., PNC Bank, National Association. Member, FDIC. All right, Million Dollar Picks, which um, last week we did pretty well because we hit on the Chiefs. We won $661,000. We hit on Underdog Parlay. We were only down 334000 for the season. And this is when we usually heat up, mid to late December. This is what's happening. We've hit five underdog parlays during this season. Uh, and FanDuel has boosted a couple of them too. For the year, we're 5-19 and 19 on the underdog parlays in 15 weeks, which doesn't sound great, but it's actually really great because the odds for each one were at least like 6-1 to one or better. So we bet we've won about almost $1.2 million on those five underdog parlays. And we've lost 627,000 on the 19 parlays we didn't get. Um, you know who always wins for us whenever we bet them? The Texans always take care of yeah, the Texans. <laughs> but my question is, maybe million dollar picks should have just been the underdog parlays. If we were betting like 200K on each of those, we'd be, <laughs> we'd be golden. So we're going to do that in a second. But there's another parlay. FanDuel has these same game parlays too. You got excited when the New Orleans quarterback got scratched <laughs> and Ian Book now in control. And then we have two on the other end against the Saints front seven that we saw last week is pretty good. They can rush with four. Two is a gimmick QB, as I keep pointing out. Like he's deciding in the first second. Feels like a low-scoring game. We can get a little ambitious on FanDuel with the same gamer. We can move Miami to plus three and a half. That's minus 190. We could take the under all the way up to 44 and a half. And if we do that, it is plus 103. So it's a straight bet. So basically, Miami would have to either win or lose by a field goal. And we can't have 45 points in that game. What are the odds in book versus Tua will get to 45 points? I, I don't see... This is... I saw, you know. I did a lot of draft coverage. I do. I don't see Ian Book putting up a ton of points against Brian Flores' defense. Let's leave it at that. And I, and I don't see Tua putting up a ton of points against Dennis Allen's defense. I see this game. I don't care if they're playing in paradise and the weather's great. I see this game being twelve to nine or thirteen to ten. And I wouldn't be shocked if Kamara's just taking snaps by the end of this thing. I, I don't. Wow. I'm, not, I'm not sure. I know a lot of people are going to tell me. Well, I watched him at Notre Dame and he did this, this, and this. I'm not sure Ian Book is ready for this one, but that but that, the Dolphins' defense is really good. And I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at them. All right, so we're going to mark that one down. Niners-Titans, one of the reasons we're taping early today. Yeah. I continue to love this Niners team. Let's go. I'm in. Let's do it. Ever since they boned us over, what was that, the Bengals? That 34-26 to 26 game. But I was really kind of impressed by them. And then over and over again, last week, they came up... Uh, Big for me in a parlay that I had. Uh, not on here, but in real life. But uh, but I also watched a big... I, I watched pretty much all of that Titans-Steelers game. And I had the Titans. I had, in real life, I had a parlay of the Titans and the Bengals. And they were winning till the fourth quarter and they collapsed. It's one of those games where all of a sudden they were losing. And I was like, I've been here the whole time. I don't understand how they're losing. Yeah. I don't understand what happened. But uh, they just have an incredible amount of trouble moving the ball. And um, Informant was pretty good in that game. But in general, 
Tannehill, when you really go after him, when you really attack him, when he can't rely on the play action, you being afraid of Derrick Henry, teams have figured out now they're just going at him. And his there's a lot of advanced stats and a lot of numbers on him that um, when you come after him, his numbers go way down. It's just the way it is. And I look at this Niners team that's really healthy right now, except for the D-back situation, but just has some banger guys. And we saw some of them make the Pro Bowl, but Samuel, Kittle, Bosa, like, and the way Jimmy's playing now, I think they figured out how to run the ball no matter who the running back is. And I like the minus three. I think, I, I actually think this line should be three and a half. I know it's a Thursday night. Thursday nights get weird, but I like, can the Niners win by a field goal? I, I think yes. What do you think? Couple quick nuggets on this one. Kyle Shanahan did not leave the office. He pulled one of those. 72 hours, slept in the office this week. That's what I've been Ooh. told. Did the old sleep underneath the desk deal. Cramming. Wow. I always love those stories. That's an old school uh, football guy thing. Um, but also, A.J. Brown and Julio might go tonight. I think they probably will, which is one of the reasons why I think that's only a three-point deal. But yep. in the in the end, I just, uh, you know, I just can see them just punishing Tannehill because they're they're down to their third left tackle. Their entire left side of their offense with Saffold and Taylor Lewan are out. And this is one of those deals where it's like Tannehill leads the league in interceptions and is this is the 30th ranked passing offense. And to beat the Niners, you got to throw the ball over the yard. I don't know if they necessarily can. Bill, I'm with you. And we might regret this in, in about 12 hours. But last week, we bet on the Thursday nighter. And I felt like I had the best weekend ever because we were the, the hate was in the barn. We were in. So I'm going to go with it. Let's go San Francisco tonight. So AJ Brown playing, Julio playing, but I'm not sure what that means because yeah. I, I, I think Hamstring. Julio is Julio's a name only guy at this point. Foreman's been pretty good. I, I actually thought he was pretty impressive on Pittsburgh, but I don't think they can block. So if A.J. Brown's playing, awesome. But I don't think they're going to be able to block the Niners. And I think the Niners can control the game. My fear would be Jimmy hasn't had a bad Jimmy game in a while. You get the pick six early, Kevin Bayard to the house. And yeah. Playing and the, catch up. And the Thursday night games are weird, but I really genuinely believe in this Niners team. I think they're good. I think they're in the mix in a real way. And you think about like from a big picture standpoint, it's not like they can whiff on a game. No, they need this. No, they need it because they're eight and six. They're in the sixth spot. They have three, seven, and seven teams right underneath them. And then who do they have? Oh, Texans next week, easy. But then at Rams, week 17. So, you know, could nine and eight make the playoffs? Maybe. But who knows? They're, you know, you get this one. Now you got Texans in 10 days. Texans you know, going probably for a number one pick at that point. Um, this is the one you need. I think this is a kitchen sink for them. I don't feel the same way about the Titans because the Titans, they still have the one game up on the Colts. It's a Thursday. I'm sure they want it, but I, I, I think it's more important than Niners. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. I reported this earlier in the season when I was on Fox and I, you know, people were, what? But they have Jimmy under contract next year and like, if Jimmy keeps on playing well, like, this might not be Trey Lance's team next season. Like they love Jimmy right now. So Jimmy's also fighting for something here and he doesn't want to necessarily be shipped off to some inadequate team. He, he wants to be a 49ers quarterback where he took to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So there's a lot of people playing with a lot of pride right now for that 49ers organization. It's more than just wins and losses. It's individual stuff too. We're not going giant on the Niners like we did no. last week with Chiefs Chargers, which um, 
Turned out to be the right call. Right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Brandon Staley helped us out a little bit. Uh, we bet on Mahomes. We bet on the Kelsey Hill combo. All three of them came through. Okay, other uh, other ones we're looking at. So I hesitate to do teases, which is why we won't go huge on this one. But at the same time, I really like this tease. And I think somebody would have to get, there would have to be a major COVID thing. So maybe we do a caveat that if there's, like we have the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Bills in this. If we lose, I don't know, Rogers, Dak, or Josh Allen, we're, this, okay. is, this is a void. We're void. We, because we're doing this on Thursday. I think we have the ability to avoid this. This is a good list. Let's let's give five guys out of all those. Okay, we'll do this put, with all the bets. Like it's like there's this is Parsons, we're avoiding this. Yeah, like Parsons is out. Do we? Are we out? No, I I'm fine with Parsons. We we can win without him. So. FanDuel has eight and a half point teases that are minus 110. We're going to take the Cowboys from 10 and a half to two to beat Washington. Washington, man, I, you know, I heard, I, I was on the plane yesterday watching these ESPN shows. They're talking about Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts look good. It's like Washington was missing everybody. What are, Everyone. We're, we're praising Jalen Hurts. I still haven't seen him look competent against a good defense that actually knows how to play him. Um, I would be very, I think that was a fool's gold game with Jay, Jalen Hurts. The reckoning is coming for him in one of these games with the right kind of defense who doesn't let him scramble and makes him stay in the pocket and throw. We've seen it and it's really dicey with him. Yeah, look, the Eagles put up 236 rushing yards and it's they're 175 yards on the ground. So like you could compliment Jalen Hurts' operation in, in running that offense and getting, you know, first downs with his feet. But like, you can't watch that game against the mass unit of Washington and be like, oh, Jalen Hurts was amazing throwing the ball on. He had on two turnovers. They, they they lost, Washington lost four starters during the game. Yeah, and Washington and was nobody. up. Astros up in this game early. They had to fight and crawl to get back there and they used their run game. Anyway, that's. So we're going to bring the Cowboys down to two. Packers minus seven and a half against the Browns. Doesn't seem like Miles Garrett's going to play. And even if he plays, he's got the groin injury. Now, I've been around a while, Shrakes. The groin injury is not one of those, I'm going to play through it. Like, Never good. It, it, there's no way to shoot it up. What are you going to, like, shoot his cock? Like, there's there's nothing there's nothing you can do with a groin injury. It's just like, Hello, I, nurse. Am, I am compromised. So, um, for how important he is, for how disastrous their quarterback situation is, they, do not, they cannot score more than 17, 18 points in a game, really, ever, it doesn't seem like. And it seems like, the wind has been taken out of those sails. The Raiders game felt like a death blow to them the other night. Feverish comeback. Um, there's their guy, JC Treader now has COVID or he's on the list. I don't know what to say anymore. Like he's, uh, he has COVID or he's on the list, whatever it is. He's on the, he's on the list with the COVID and he's a pretty talented offensive lineman. And maybe Baker plays. We're doing this on Thursday. Maybe he doesn't, but I'm with you. I think Rogers on Christmas day, I think he's coming in and he's coming in hot. Yeah, and the Browns in Green Bay on Christmas, that's depressing. It feels like they, I, I just don't think they'll be able to fight their way through that one. Then the third one, Kyle, turn the camera off. Hmm. We're going against the Pats on a, on a million dollar <laughs> wow. pick. Wow. This is reverse psychology? <laughs> what is this? Bills plus two. We're going to bring the Bills up to 10 and a half. I don't think the Pats are going to like beat the shit out of the Bills. Like, I'm sorry. And even if they get a big lead early, the Bills, that's kind of when the Bills are at their best, when they're down 20. That's finally when they play the way they're going to play. I just think that's a hard team to blow out. The Bills are going to be fired up. Biggest game of the year for them. 
the Pats, you know, I think scoring points for them, thinking about can they put up 30 against the Bills, 35, like probably doubtful in shitty weather in Foxborough. It feels like a 24 to 20, 23 to 16, 23 to 21. I think it'll be tight. I'm nervous about it. I think the Pats will win, but it feels like a one-score game to me. I feel the same way I did about the Colts game last week, which, by the way, was a one-score game until Dante Hightower just completely overruns the one open lane and Taylor goes for 70. Uh, I like the thought of taking the Bills to 10 and a half where basically, even if they're down 17 with two minutes left, they can still get the cheap touchdown and take it to 10, whatever. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a close game. I also... I wrote for foxsports.com. I think JC Jackson versus Stephon Diggs is the matchup to watch. Like mm. if they can, if, cause Cole Beasley's not going to play and Allen has been so zeroed in on Gabriel Davis and Stephon Diggs. But if you can eliminate Diggs, it really puts a stress on that same situation they had in the Monday night game where it's like, all right, now we got to run the football. And if Singletary can't do it, then like, all right, we're in the same spot we were in regardless of how many pass attempts Mac has. Bill, I ask you, do you feel even after a loss, but the way they came back there with Mac finally having to like lead them on drives and actually being able to do it in the second half, do you feel better about the Patriots in January after the way that game finished up? Or do you feel very skeptical that they could actually do this against some of the top quarterbacks in the league? No, that, that game actually weirdly made me feel better. Yeah, I think a lot of Patriots fans feel that way. Like the defense showed they up. Were they were so bad. To- they, they, you couldn't have played worse in the first half. And they didn't get blown out and they hung around and they fought back. And I really thought they were going to win in the fourth quarter. I was like, holy shit. They figured it out. And I think they learned a valuable lesson. Like, you got to trust Mac. You just have to. They, the Colts were very specific about what they did. They flooded the box. They were not going to let us run. They were going to kind of force Belichick to go, all right, I'm going to have to trust my rookie QB. And he didn't do it until the second half. But as soon as he spread everybody out, the Pats were moving. I mean, they got inside the 10-yard line at least five times in that game. They did. A couple, I mean, a couple, one, like I, to see Bolden getting big carries in like a big December game in 2021, like, uh, you know, that, that On one a is, sweep. I know. And then secondly, him not wearing the right number. Like, I feel like he changed his number. And oh, I still don't know who that is. I'm like, oh, it's Bolden, but he's supposed to be in a 38 number. Like, it's, yeah. just, it's all very confusing to me still. But I, I just don't know if the offense is going to have enough to keep up with the Chiefs well, yeah. or the Chargers. Like, I have I have genuine concerns after that game. And they did come back. But I don't know if they had the I will horses. say they really missed Harris in that game. And I think... Harris does some stuff with them because he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a threat, right? When Ramondre's in there, they're just playing, the other team's just playing run. When Harris is out there, the field opens up in a in a different way, I feel like, for them. So, and I, I'm not positive he's going to play this week. Kyle, are you there? Kyle? Kyle. I don't want to talk about this. I don't like what you're doing. What? It's okay to... Kyle, we're still rooting for the Pats on Sunday. We're watching it together. I don't know. No, it's fine. I'm not going to be rooting for the Bills to cover. I'm just, sometimes a million dollar picks, you got to go where the value is. And I think it's very unrealistic to think the Patriots are going to win this game by 11 points or more. That that will be the final score. Even if they're up 14 to 17, I've watched Buffalo do this over and over again. They're really good in scramble garbage time. Like it's probably one of the best three teams. So anyway, all right, we're going to mark down those three. I'm sorry, Kyle. I'll make it up to you. I'll have really good beer on hand for Sunday. (laughs) 
Do Kyle, do we invite KOC on Sunday? I feel like we do. We had good luck with him. Yeah, just to balance what you're doing with this. <laughs> All right, fair. Balance it out. All right, fair. Bill, for the record, you have never in the in the year and a half we've done million dollars, you have never bet against the Patriots, even with the points or whatever. You have never done this. I, I'll do it when the value is there. And in this case, I think it would be foolish to think that this is going to be a Pat's blowout. That's crazy. I'm going to be completely psyched if they win this game. I'll take a one-point win. Uh, all right, three straight-up games. And I think we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but Bengals minus three Ravens. I like the Bengals. We've we've ridden the Bengals over and over again. We watched the Bengals kill the Ravens a few weeks ago, and they just cover zero blitz the living shit out of them. And it seems like that's the Ravens kryptonite. I guess my question is, would I be more nervous in this game as with the Bengals minus three if Lamar was playing on an injured angle or if it was a healthy Huntley? Because I'm kind of hoping it's injured Lamar playing, and I think it's going to be. Yeah, he didn't practice on Wednesday. Uh, I I don't know if they're better off. with if, if if Lamar's out there, he's like, coach, I'm ready to go. Like, I don't know what they do. We agreed. I mean, you're saying first-round pick. I it, Not a first, probably a second or third, whatever it is right now, his value, but that's fine. That guy looked good, and he went yeah, blow, but blow with Rodgers. To Rogers. be fair, I was talking first-round pick for Brett Huntley, not Tyler Huntley, because I, <laughs> I, I think I called him Brett at least once. But I'm old and people know. Um, it's all right. But yeah, Huntley, it's interesting in my fantasy league. I'm going Someone against. Pick him up? No, I'm going against uh, the great Tony Barbieri and his team, the STDs, in the West Coast semifinals. His quarterbacks were Lamar and Tua. He had zero fab dollars left, but you can do zero dollar pickups. You just lower in the pecking door. I had three dollars left. Did you block Tana, them all? Tannehill, free agent, Huntley, free agent. Picked them both up. So defensive. Yeah. Tua, Such Tua a is in his starting lineup now. Guess what? I'm going to wave Tannehill right before the game today, so he won't be able to get him at all. Um, but yeah, it, and I don't know, like, if Lamar plays, that is that good for me in fantasy? It might be. Like, like is he going to be able to run around on a bad ankle? Probably not. He's going to throw a couple picks? Maybe. And the Bengals have already proven they know how to play that team. And I'll tell you, I work on Fox Sunday pregame and, um, you know, my job at 11 a.m. Eastern is to tell you who's playing or not. I've actually been able to break the news on Lamar the two times he had when he was sick and then the bone bruise last week. Or I'm like, he's not going. Um, the Ravens do a really good job of keeping it in-house until about 11 a.m. Eastern. So the line, if it's going to fluctuate, like you're not going to know if Lamar's going to play or not, you know, until Sunday at that point and the opposing defense won't. But I think I, I think you prepare for him the same way. Huntley was really good last Sunday and he might be able to throw the ball into spaces that Lamar isn't as accurate with his arm. Uh, one good thing about this, Bengals are minus 104. So it's a little less than the minus 110 big we're, we're usually used to dealing with. The Ravens are good at two things. Hoarding information like that until the tail end right before the game and then dispersing social media videos that helped their cause after their coaches fucked up two weeks in a row with advanced analytics. What did they do? Oh, you didn't see this? Like the next day they were like, hey, we got to put out the Harbaugh asking his players if he should go for it. And he's like asking Huntley and Mark Andrews, should we go for it? What do you think? And they're like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for the win. What are the guys going to say? No, let's be cowards. Let's let's take a toe tee. Coach, we're not going to get it. Yeah, coach. And and they send this out and we're supposed to watch. I'm amazed how people react to this stuff. People watch him like, that's so great. He asked his players. It's like, if I ask my son, hey, do you want to go out for ice cream? Guess what? He's going to be like, yeah, let's go out for ice cream. If you ask NFL players, should we go for it? Not one person is going to say, nah, 
Wouldn't be prudent. Let's be cowards. Let's take it to overtime. Who's saying that? Nobody. And I was on uh, Good Morning Football. We had Torrey Smith, the old Ravens wide receiver, and he was on and he's saying, with all the Ravens fans watching, and he's just like, you got to love that coach trusts his players. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah, you, you just don't. I, how about this? You're the coach. Make the fucking decision yourself. What are you doing? No, you don't. Uh, well, listen, uh, listen that, that's the kind of guy he is. He's, he's, he's got that balls to the wall mentality and he's going to lean on his players. It's like, okay, great. It didn't work two weeks in a row. What are we talking about? Uh, I think Kornacki said, uh, and I love citing Kornacki, but he does now the playoff odds. And it was like, when they did not get that two point conversion, their odds of making the playoffs went from like 88% to 50%. So it's like, I love that he loves his players, but I don't know. Maybe. And here's the other part of that play. And I can go into it many times because uh, my wife's from Baltimore, her parents, they're season ticket hold. Like, you know, I hear it all day long, Ravens fans. And it's like, the the one deal is that what everyone doesn't realize is that there's 42 seconds left. So say you do get the two-point conversion and you're up 31 to 30. Rodgers can still complete two passes and beat you with a field goal anyway. So it's not like this was a walk-off situation. Right. So to me, it was like, all right, your defense is playing well, take it to overtime, and then let's see what happens in overtime. And if Rodgers beats you in the final 40 seconds, he was going to do that anyway. Fine. I I did not like the call. I could respect the call. I could understand where the players would like it. But gosh, for everyone to be saying it was the right call, I come on. It was the right call that was so obvious that the safety and the other team made a sprint yeah. sprint toward Andrews as the ball is being snapped because he's it's so clearly going to Andrews on a rollout to his right. But it was the right call. Great job. Uh, next one we're gonna do Raiders. At home against the Broncos. Raiders are minus one. The Raiders are the Michael Myers of the NFL season. It's like, wait, I thought we blew them up. I thought we cut their heads off. I thought we locked them in a basement and set it on fire. Wait, why are they still here? I thought we shot them in both eyeballs. Um, listen, this just comes down to Drew Locke. I I think he's terrible at football. And we have, I really do. I I think he's terrible. And uh we have a rare chance to bet against him with decent odds. I also think Cam Newton's terrible, as we've discussed many times, but the odds on him have swung so far that there's no value in betting. He's like minus 10 and a half, Tampa over the Panthers. But in this case, the Raiders just have to win by two points. I don't think Drew Locke is a starting NFL quarterback. So that's that's my case. And, I, and you know, fourth quarter, I don't know if you watched that game. We obviously, I was. He's horrible. Of course I watched it. Fangio's clock management with the two minute like Ian Eagle is yeah. really good at his job. Ian Eagle was being like really polite and he's like, interesting clock management here. And I'm like, someone, what is he doing before the two minute warning? Like not calling the timeout, just eating 40 seconds. Like there are so many Vic the Fangio Fangio, Fangio oh. plus lock equals we're winning this Raiders bet. I think so. And I, you know, we had to keep Talib on uh, Good Morning Football and in commercial. We were raving about how good Cooper Cup is and all this shit. And he's like, you know who's really nasty? I'm like, who? He's like, Renfro. Hunter Renfro is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Akeem is like, Hunter Renfro is nasty. And I'm like, he is. And he, he and Carr have something. And I, I know Sertan is a superstar and all that. And Justin Simmons is great in the back end. But I could see them just focusing on and finding a way to win this game. It's a bummer he's not on the Patriots. He could have been the logical successor to Troy Brown, Edelman, Amendola. He just would have yeah. been like the perfect Welker. Uh, last one. You can't, so you can't comment on this because you're on the sidelines for this game. Doing the sidelines for Colts, Cardinals, NFL Network. I fly out Friday morning. I'll be in Arizona. And uh, I just got off the phone with Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray and Vance Joseph. Yeah. And So you're recusing yourself from this, but 
Uh, and you said, let's not do this one, but I'm doing it. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> the, the Colts are plus one and a half against the Cardinals. And, uh, and I just like the Colts. And they're way too obvious. And maybe by the time we actually do these picks, maybe I'll back off. Maybe the fact that you're doing this game is a red flag that we should stay away. I don't think Kyler Murray is the same guy. And I was looking at his stats from last year and this year, and like the running stats are way different. Um, he He's peaked in October for two years in a row. I don't think he's 100% healthy physically. I don't think teams are afraid of him taking off as much because he's just not doing it as much. And the no Hopkins thing is a huge deal. And it's like, oh, cool. He might come back for the NFC title game. Well, guess what? You're not going to be in the NFC title game. <laughs> Sorry, Arizona. Um, I just think the Colts are going to be able to run on him. I know you can't comment. I can. I can give you. I can give you a ton of commentary because I just spent two hours talking on Zooms with the Cardinals guys, and I'll tell you that they all agreed that like last week sucked and it got out of hand early, and the turnover with the Amani Orarie. I don't know how Gus Johnson said it, but I loved it. Uh, the interception he had. It was like, all right, seventeen to three. Now it's twenty four to three. Like, what are we doing? But they have like a real. I mean, I'll say it like it is. I feel like it's a, a kind of fuck, fuck them all attitude. Like we don't care. Like we're we're good. We know we're good. We're ten and four, and they're coming into our building, even if they don't win at home, and even if they're coming off two straight losses. Even I, I don't know if they're like at all as you know panic buttoned as the rest of us are. So maybe we know more than they do, but they certainly don't seem at all intimidated by the Indianapolis Colts. They respect the Colts' run game, um, but I think they think they're going to win this one. I might stay away from this because. It seems too easy, and Carson Wentz is involved. Yeah. Is there an Easter egg I should do on the sidelines? Like, I'm going to be on air. Should I do, like, a let's go? Should I do something for, like, a million-dollar Oh, let's go. <laughs> like, on the air? Just, like, a wink? Like, a Carol Burnett? Like, tug my ear? What should I, I do? Think he, I think you throw in a let's go. <laughs> uh, Jeff Hornacek, wipe my brow. I mean, just, I can do yeah. anything. You tell me. Well, no, the, the listeners will know. So, we have we have the Miami-New Orleans parlay, which, which mentioned earlier, and then... uh. Let's take a break. We'll figure out underdog parlay of the week and then we'll do million dollar picks. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that. Made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Okay, underdog parlay of the week. Here are the candidates. Big pressure now. We cost FanDuel $1.7 million last week. People are into these. People are betting them. FanDuel's like, what the fuck? Why are they winning? Say, is I, FanDuel into these? I mean, FanDuel's like, wait, these, this isn't as fun as we thought it was going to be? Um, we like the Lions plus 220 against the Falcons. We did. Possibly no Jared Goff. I, Not I sure we like it as much. So who's it going to be? David Blau? Yeah, our guy. And our Tim Boyle. Tim Boyle. Pretty rough. Okay. Well, so we have that. 
not as excited. But then again, I'd stay away. I, I, golf was good last week. I'm going to stay away. Let's give golf a little bit of credit here. How many times do you have a chance to go against the Falcons when they're six-point favorites? I know. When everyone's picking them, too. I know. This is exactly and the people game. putting them in teases. All right. Uh, we have the Vikings, who are plus 148 against the Rams. Now, the Vikings, that's the spot we love them in, right? When they're, <laughs> yeah. The, give them a with, great... Now, of course, is the week they win, you know? Right. But we like, you never want to bet, you know, never want to lay points with them. Nope. You want them in a situation where they're, nobody believes in them or whatever. But I, you know, the Aaron Donald and everybody going against Kirk Cousins obviously makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> yes. So there's that. We have Steelers Chiefs. Steelers are plus 300 against the Chiefs, who probably won't have Kelsey and Hill, but then what's your information on the Chiefs? Well, they just need, they, they get Chris Jones back and they just need to get two negative tests in a row. So we're doing this on Thursday. I know talking to guys in that organization, all these players feel fine. There's no symptoms. They all want to go. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to do the COVID, but like if Kelsey or Hill is out there, I'm not betting against these guys. So there's that. Then we have one of my favorites, Texans Chargers. Oh, baby. Texans plus 350. You have a Chargers team. Eckler looks like he's not playing. Derwin James looks like he's out. In general, the Chargers love to zag anytime anyone trusts them, right? Perfect. Texans a little frisky. Like, point, point blank. There's some friskiness with them. Davis Mills looked pretty confident. Now, they don't have cooks. No, and who's God their knows, entire offense? Yeah, who's their entire offense? But man, if they had cooks, I, I would be trying to talk you into the Texans plus 350. But, they but with no cooks, I don't know how they move the ball. <laughs> so what do we do? I, I, I don't really like any of these. Okay, what about... <laughs> it's with everyone's with COVID. We don't know who's playing and who's not. So like, are Dolphins still underdogs or are they now favorites because they're... Because we got no nah. book. Well, maybe, maybe that's what we do for underdog parlay of the week. I think we could... We could do our Miami New Orleans, Miami plus three and a half under 44.5. That could be our underdog parlay of the week, but it's only minus 103. What about Jets Jaguars? Who's favored in that game? Let's now the that the team. line is like right, the line is like pretty even. It's Jets plus one. So I guess technically the Jets, uh, see, they're not even technically an underdog. They're minus one. Yeah. So that it, doesn't really work. You were talking Jets with, the, with Sean and JJ. It's like I talked to Salah this morning and he's, He's on the COVID list. He feels okay, obviously, whatever. But he's like, dude, I got seven kids um, in the house. I've got to be isolated. Like, this whole thing sucks. And like, he's just trying to get that negative test. Like, all the things that you don't think about when these coaches have it because they've got families and they've got to do yep. this whole game plan. It's like, it's a major, I know in a lot of coaches, you know, Sean Payton's gone and they win. And it doesn't matter as far as the wins, losses. It's just what a stress this is for some of these, these organizations when you get these COVID tests. Well, the Steelers are plus 310 now. Do we trust the Lions? When in doubt, go against the Falcons? Should we just do it and say, Tim Boyle, if you're in there, go have a day? So we have, that would be, Lions are plus 220. Lions, Steelers, that's plus 121, or 1212. So bet like basically 100 to win $1,212. We're, I'm not saying we don't do that, but 
You, you want to put in the Vikings too or somebody crazy? Who? Let's say Vikings and Jets. Let's go four teams and put real low oh my money. God. And let's just say, you know what, FanDuel, we're going out for it all this week and we're going to go four crazy ones and let's Well, see. I thought the Jets, didn't the Jets, they've had, have like 17 COVID scratches. Yeah, yeah of course. That's it. Yeah, exactly so we're right. not putting them in. Oh, okay. But, and they're, that we can't do that anyway because they're not an underdog. Well, I guess we could put the Vikings too. Yeah. All right. So that would be, oh my God. What do we got? Like a thousand to, to one? What is the Steelers, Lions, Vikings is plus thirty one fifty three. So if we bet thirty three K on that, it would win us one thousand <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Yeah, thirty three K would win us uh a million dollars, basically. And I'm not going to kick myself if the first two hit and we don't get the third. Like, we're going in this thing with no real passionate pick on any of these. Let's just do it. Okay. All right. That's all we'll do. And for FanDuel, maybe we'll boost. So we'll boost like Lions Steelers. Sure. Okay. Or we'll ask them to do it. Who knows with COVID. All right. Million dollar picks. Week 16. Last week, we won $661,000. We are $334,000 down. Right there, though. Right there. Uh, for the 2021 season. But this is when we heat up. First one, Niners, minus three, Thursday night. We're sneaking this in over the Tennessee Titans, who has A.J. Brown back. We get it. I think we both believe in this Niners team. Feels like a field goal game. I think they win it. I believe in the Titans being down to their third left tackle and being without Lawan and Saffold. And this is the Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, let's wreck shop game. That's what I'm betting on here. Armstead, Kittle, Bosa, Samuel. Is this the most testosterone team in the league right now? Yeah, and you haven't mentioned Trent Williams, who is like the biggest, Trent alpha, Williams? biggest alpha in the league. Yes, I'm in. And don't forget about James G. <laughs> he's an alpha in his own way. He's not Jimmy anymore. He's James G. <laughs> James he's, G. He's wizened. He's had some injuries. He's had some setbacks. He's come to the precipice. Now he's James G. Niners, minus three. 300K? Yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. All right, that's there great. we go. 300K on that. Next one, eight and a half point tees, which gets minus 110 odds. We're putting three teams on this. The Cowboys from 10 and a half to two points against Washington. Just win by three, we're good. Packers, minus seven and a half. Taking them down to plus one against the Browns. Not really worried about that one. Miles Garrett hurt. Browns look like a mess. Stefanski's got to be, Is he, you think he's at the point where he's looking at other quarterbacks on YouTube yet or no? <laughs> he had a lot of time. He's been on, he was on the COVID list for about 40 days. Right. He's been a lot of time to browse. <laughs> a lot of Russell Wilson clips right now. Uh, so we got them and then we got the Bills. That's right. I'm going against the Pats at million dollar picks, but the yeah. Pats can still win. I can have the best of both worlds, but I think this is a close game. We're taking the Bills to plus 10 and a half. Okay. And we're putting 300K on this and we have here are our voids. This bet is voided if the following people don't play. Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. It's fair. If between Thursday and Sunday morning, those you guys know are ruled out. I'm going to remove Dak Prescott. Wow. It, you it, think Cooper yeah. Rush can win this? Cooper yeah, Rush? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen. Either of them get COVID, we're out. This bet's voided. Otherwise, we're putting 300K on at eight and a half point tees. Rodgers can't even be ruled out for COVID. He's he, You can't even test that man. So right. we're good. Can't. We're fine. We, you'd never know. Next one. Bengals minus three against the Ravens, a team that they crushed earlier in the season. We don't know who the Ravens quarterback is. Frankly, we don't really care. The odds are minus 104 on this, and we're going to put 300K 
on this as well. Did you like Joe Burrow's nightlife comment? Uh, that was hilarious. We don't get COVID in Cincinnati. Nobody That's goes it. anywhere. There's nothing. To kind do. of a dig, but it was like a like a I don't know half-ass compliment. Yeah, I don't even also, know how you would describe it. It would be a dig if he held out and didn't want to play there or something. He likes it. So that's good. We're in. He likes it. How'd you feel about Chase making the Pro Bowl, by the way? I was surprised by that. I know. He's had some he's, really... He's really disappeared in some <laughs> games. Up and down games, but he made the Pro Bowl. Man. There's a lot of Pro Bowl questions. We could do we could do a whole show, Bill, just a whole 30 minutes on Pro Bowl snubs if you want. We could do I really... Time. I disagreed with the Chase one. Anyway, uh, Raiders-Broncos is our next one. We're taking that one as well. Raiders minus one. This is a... We're betting against Drew Locke. There's no other way to say it. Drew Locke and Vic Fangio. Both, don't, and don't, Vic Fangio. Yeah, late game The Locke-Fangio uh, combo put 300k on that and then last but not least 300k on a little special FanDuel alternate line parlay that we've had some fun with maybe this will be what they promote it's called the Ian Book book it bet let's go Miami plus three and a half so we moved that line tweaked mm -hmm. it under 44 and a half those two things have to happen minus 103 and that's what we're going to ask FanDuel to mess with with the boost for this week because we, we're we going to do something so goofy with the underdog parlay that they're not even going to want to boost it. Yeah. Uh, we are going to put 300K on this. And I'm going to give us a little boost. I'm going to, I have boost power with my bet. I'm going to boost that from minus 103 to plus 115 just for us. You know what? If How about plus 120? I'm feeling generous with ourselves. Plus 120 on that. Miami plus three and a half, under 44 and a half for the Ian Book Tua, Tua. extravaganza. What do you think? Bill, if if we get if we win this, which I think it's a lock we will, I am not a Drew a lock, I will be sending you an Ian Book Saints jersey immediately after for Christmas. <laughs> and you will be rocking that next time we do million dollar picks. Book it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we'll see. Maybe FanDuel, that will be the one they boost if they don't like the underdog parlay. And then just for the hell of it, just because we're feeling frisky. What do you think? 33K or just 10K on this? 33K? 10K. 10K? 10K, yeah. Let's be, All right. let's be wise. We don't love any of these picks. We're just kind of... Yeah, we don't love... Hey, we love the Lions until Goff went down. My man, Jared Goff. One thing I love, Jared Goff in a big spot. Yeah. Available, yeah. So we're going to do 10K. Um, Lions to win. Steelers to win. This is absurd. <laughs> Lions to win over the Falcons. Steelers to win over KC. Vikings to beat the Rams. 10K at plus 3,153 odds. So we'll, we'll win $315,000. Oh my gosh. When that Greg Joseph field goal goes right through the uprights and we win this one, I'm going to, I mean, that's, you know what's happening. Let's go. Yeah. All right. So that'll be our little mini flyer of an underdog parlay. I still like the Steelers. Can we do Steelers-Vikings, too, for the hell of it for 33K? Sure, sure. All right. So then we'll do Steelers-Vikings, 33K at uh, plus 916. We're adding that one in. I have the, I, I, I can't shake it. I have a weird feeling about the Steelers in this Chiefs game. Do you? Okay. I really do. I know it's absurd. But I think this Steelers team, I think they're going to make the playoffs and we're all going to look at each other and go, how the fuck did that just happen? They have this vibe to them that they're almost... I watched that whole Tennessee game and just could not understand how they were winning it, even as they were winning it. Yes. Is that a good thing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's good for underdog parlay. All right. So those are 
the million dollar picks for week 16. We stayed away from Colts cards because Peter Schrager is going to be on the uh, sidelines. I just felt like bad juju that you were there. I don't know. I, I didn't, I, I, you would have been rooting for it. I didn't want to put you in that position. So we, we steered clear. I used to work on Inside the NFL and I always appreciate it when Phil Sims and Chris Collins say, I can't bet on this one. I am actually going to be calling the game. Now I can do that too. So I cannot be a part of this. I will be a part of the broadcast instead. But unlike those two, you actually would have been rooting for whoever we picked. So it would have been, you would have been in a terrible position. Let's go to Peter Schrager. Oh, wait, he's high-fiving a cameraman on the sidelines because Wentz just threw a pick. See, just hands flailing after yeah. a big pick. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so anyway, we're staying away. All right, those are the million-dollar picks. Peter Schrager, happy holidays, my friend. Great to see you as always. Merry Christmas. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Sean and JJ. Thanks to Peter Schrager. Thanks to Kyle Creighton for producing this podcast and um, as his present for another great year, I'm going to get him super drunk at Christmas Eve dinner and then tell him not to tweet because he's a drunk tweeter. That's what he does. You know, he's a, he's a benevolent drunk tweeter, but loves nothing more than having a few pops on him and then tweeting about some song on a jukebox or something. So we'll see if we can get that going tomorrow night. Happy holidays to everybody out there. We will see you on Sunday on this podcast right after. God only knows what's going to happen in those Sunday games, but we will be here, me and the cuz. So happy holidays. Merry Christmas. See you on Sunday night.